Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jean Gallagher, financial advisor, founder of Seaside Solutions, and founder of Discover Rising Tides. Welcome to show 34. Discover Rising Tides, how the outside makes the inside better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we'll be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And we'll also be hearing from Lynn Schusler-Williams, author, coach, and on her segment of Rising Up. But first, today I'm excited to introduce Alexandra Coys. Hi, Alexandra. Hi, it's nice to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for this. This is really fascinating. So before we dive in, let me just uh, give a quick piece of your bio, and then we'll get to more of your information as well. So Alexandra is the founder and CEO of Lighten, a startup transforming future of the funeral services industry. Lighten offers end-of-life arrangement designed for families who want to avoid the traditional somber funeral home and offer a more uplifting experience to honor a legacy. Lighten offers personalized celebrations of life that reflect an individual's unique personal, cultural, and spiritual identity. The company's online planning portal delivers a modern, streamlined process that allows families to plan from the comfort of their own home. So I'm going to just toss something in there, and then we're going to start. Uh, from the, your story, but after we talked, I'm, I, my first thought was, this seems like common sense, and why isn't everybody doing this? So I want to thank you for your, your insight to this, but give us a, let's give everybody a, um, a chance to understand what's your, what's your background, and how did you get to where you are, and tell us about your business in Lighten. Absolutely. Um, thank you for, um, giving the summary of you know what we do and our the mission and vision and purpose behind our work mm -hmm. and um my background is not in funeral services so this you know starting this business wasn't part of my original plan and i started lighten after i experienced a loss in my own family and had a my first first hand experience with um, planning a funeral. And it was about five years ago, my mom's brother passed away. So my uncle, and she was too grief stricken to make the arrangements. So I stepped in and did a lot of the planning and coordination. And for my uncle, he was the type of guy who was always the life of the party. So the idea of everyone, you know, dressing in black, you know, standing in a kind of a stuffy, somber funeral home, talking in hushed tones, just didn't feel like the right fit for him. So instead, I planned something that felt like something he would have wanted. And we gathered in his favorite restaurant and did more of an uplifting celebration of life. And that felt like a better fit for him and his personality and what was important to him. Um, and afterwards, I, in thinking about it, I just thought about how crazy it was that there's this entire industry set up for, to help families at this point in their lives when they've lost someone. Um, but we had to go around the system to find something that worked for us. Mm -hmm. So that was my, you know, inspiration in thinking about how can, how can we create a better experience? How can I create a better experience? You know, there were so many points along the way where I thought, wow, this is really, you know, this is really outdated. This is really somber. This is really impersonal. And that was why I did something different mm -hmm. than the traditional, you know, funeral experience. Um, and I wanted to be able to offer that option to others as well. So that was the origin of the company. Amazing. And so, What's it like to transition? So first of all, what is your background? Understanding that it's not in the funeral services or any celebration of life arena, but what was your background and what was the transition like to change, totally change careers? Yeah. So the, my original background was in consulting. So, you know, after my undergraduate degree was actually in foreign service. So coming out of college, I spent a few years um, in consulting, um, you know, in Washington, D.C., doing a lot of, you know, government focused work. Um, and then after that transitioned into um, healthcare, health insurance, and was involved in, um, you know, supporting the implementation of the Affordable Care Act when that was first rolling out. So I've done a lot of, you know, government, you know, regulatory um, work. So I was always part of large organizations, very comfortable being one piece 
um, in a larger process or a larger puzzle and kind of having a very specific role. Um, I had held roles, roles in, you know, strategy and operations in large uh, companies. And, you know, this idea, the inspiration for Lighten was really my first um, thought of doing something different and stepping outside my comfort zone. And um, I decided to go back to business school and that was kind of my transition point. So after, um, after working for about seven years, I went back to get my master's in business. And that was when I really took advantage of that time where I was already stepping out of the workforce mm -hmm. to really give myself a shot at building something from the ground up. Um, and it's, as you said, it's a transition. It's a completely different experience. Um, you know, specifically, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of risk involved and, you know, coming from someone who was used to kind of the large organization kind of steady, predictable um, job, uh, that was new for me, but it was something I was excited to jump into. Um, and again, something that while I was in business school, I really dug into what it took to start a company. Um, you know, took classes on entrepreneurship, joined the clubs to, you know, did every workshop that my school offered. I went to, um, you know, the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and they have a fantastic entrepreneurship program. Um, the Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship has a lot of resources, a lot of support, um, a lot of workshops. So I really dug into that um, as a way to learn and transition into um, the world of entrepreneurship. And of course, you know, in entrepreneurship, the best way to learn is to jump into it and yeah, and to put something out there and to start getting real world feedback, real life feedback from real customers. And I found that this was something that, you know, there is a demand for. There's a lot of interest in doing this, doing end of life, doing funerals, doing celebrations of life in a different way than has typically been done. And, you know, to your point, um, not a lot of, you know, people assume that funerals have to be a certain way just because that's the way they've always done it, or that's the way the industry has always done it. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, there's um, room for many more options, um, personalization. So I think, you know, when, you know, families hear about us, um, when they come to us, they're, um, you know, it's a really compelling option, a really fulfilling option to be able to do something that feels true to your loved one's spirit. You know, isn't that the definition, the true definition of entrepreneurship is when you, when you are brave enough, right, <laughs> to take that giant leap off the cliff because you experienced something and if you experienced it, somebody else needs it too. So to be able to have that insight is, is amazing. And because, you know, you could attend business school and entrepreneurial classes and everything and still come out going, well, now what do I do? But going into that process with a concept in mind that was really a personal experience. So then it becomes a passion project. It has to make a huge difference. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it is about, you know, it's not about creating an idea and then creating a need for it, mm -hmm. you know, in entrepreneurship, it's seeing a need seeing a pain point and then being able to think about a way to address that pain point or solve that need in a way that's, you know, that doesn't exist or in a way that is different than what's been done in the past. Yeah. And so, you know, I've talked to other people that have made that jump from corporate to, to self-employed or entrepreneur or business owner. And it is not an easy, it's not an easy transition because you're, like you mentioned, you're going from something that's definite. You have a job and a paycheck and every day you go to work and you know that you're going to get paid and you're successful in what you do. And so for some people is why would I want to leave if I'm successful in what I do? Why would I want to do that? Right. Or how, how can I do that? How do I be brave enough and how do I make those changes? But as you're going through school, is there anything that, that really spoke to you through the, your master's program and all of the courses that you were taking that just said, wow, this is what being an, a business owner really is? You know, um, for me, it was about putting something out there and seeing the reception, you know, mm -hmm. seeing the reception out in the marketplace. And I think it comes back to, you know, when you talk about um, the difficulty of making the transition and mm -hmm. sort of asking yourself, why am I doing this? You have to have a strong why, 
about why you're doing it. It comes back to the passion. It comes back to the belief that you have um, in your product, in your work, um, the passion you have for um, you know, doing that purpose-driven work of putting your product, your solution out there for others to use and the belief that you have something that is valuable to other people and can really make a difference um, in the lives of others or in the world. So I think when it comes to the why, you have to have a strong passion mm-hmm. um, for what you're doing and a strong belief that, you know, that you have something to put out there. Yeah, I agree too, because not every day is rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs. It comes yeah. with the territory. Yeah, it does. It does. And not that, not that a regular job wouldn't come with those, but there's that, le- there's such a difference with, if this doesn't go well, you have to put all of those thoughts out of your, out of your mind and out of your consciousness so that you can forge ahead. So let's talk about the funeral industry in, as it exists, right? For, and then we can paint a little bit of a picture to see how really different what what lighten is now even compared to your what you did for your uncle also so the typical funeral service correct me if i'm wrong and expound on this too is you know a family member passes and it's very typical to call the funeral home then the funeral home makes all those arrangements talks to social security and dollars all of those things in the background and then the stuffy people show up in their suits and ties and very stoic right? Stuffy, stoic, stoic is a better word, but, um, and process through that to help people with their grief, but it is, it is very regimented. Yes. And it's sort of like a one size fits all approach. You know, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like everyone goes through the same steps. Everyone gets the same room or rooms. Um, and it sort of looks very similar for each person who goes through the funeral home environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you mentioned wanting to contrast it with the types of, you know, gatherings that Lighten has helped families deliver. And we are helping families gather in non-funeral home environments, places like parks, restaurants, theaters, museums, live music venues, you know, places that are more uplifting and that often um, feel like a better fit for the specific person that the gathering is for. Um, so someplace they would have loved or someplace they you know, love to frequent. And the types of ceremonies that we offer is often tailored. Those ceremonies are tailored to the unique identity of the individual who passed away. And um, you read this at the at the top during the intro that oftentimes we find that is um, a ceremony that reflects the loved one's unique personal, cultural, and spiritual identity. And so what we may be, you know, the way that the ceremony flows or what we may be highlighting or celebrating is a little bit different for each person that we work with. Um, For some people, it's, you know, their spirituality or it's an element of their cultural heritage. For others, it is their career or their, you know, their hobbies and passions, or it's the, you know, the philanthropic work they've done. But it's all about, you know, tailoring um, the celebration of life ceremony and also the, the surroundings and the details of the gathering to that person's authentic identity. That's amazing because there has to be healing pieces on both sides so that if the person that is um, that is not well and prior to passing can be involved in that, then they know, right? So there's some healing process that happens before they pass because they know that the process is going to be tailored to what maybe what fits the family better, not necessarily thinking about what fits the the um, the patient better right but but when you're talking with the family members after the family member is passed mm-hmm. you're able to ask questions about what do you want and that yes. that has to make a difference in the healing process yes i love that you touched on the healing process because for a lot of people it is about the process mm-hmm. um, we worked with a woman um a little bit earlier this year who told us that she wanted to take joy in the process of planning Mm. and thinking about what can she do to celebrate and honor and pay tribute to her wife's life. And, um, you know, so that was part of her grief journey, her healing journey to be able to derive comfort and healing and hope from creating a celebration for her. And she also said to me afterwards, um, you know, 
creating this tribute to her life. So for, for this particular ceremony, um, we created an immersive museum exhibit um, as, a, as a tribute to her wife's life. And it, there were photos um, of her and her family. There were um, pieces of furniture that she restored. There were journals that she wrote in, um, you know, clothes that she wore. And creating this exhibit, allowed, said, you know, our client said to us afterwards, it allowed me to feel like I was putting her back together again because wow. she had suffered a long illness prior to her passing. And that to me was very powerful to, you know, to help someone create something that allowed them to feel like they were, you know, putting their loved one back together again was, you know, was really impactful, and really powerful, and really gets at the heart of why we do what we do. And, you know, to your point, that's part of the healing journey for the people who are planning, um, for the people who are coming together as a community, all of the family and friends, you know, to honor that person who had an impact on their life. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, those who pre pre-plan their own um, life celebration before they pass away, because some, it is important to some folks um, to have a say in that, to have agency over what is this final tribute to their life? What does it highlight? What does it celebrate? Um, because that's part of defining their legacy. So we do have some folks who come to us to plan their own celebration before they pass away. So I think in both cases, you know, it's a really important part of defining a legacy and, and deriving peace and healing from the process. You know, I really love that. And I really love the fact that it's the life celebration versus a funeral, mm -hmm. right? Just the words that we use to describe events really paint a picture of how we're supposed to feel about the event mm -hmm. quite often, right? And so when you're, you know, you often you hear people talk about life celebration. So we have, we have a party after the funeral and that's the life celebration because that's where all the healing happens. Not when everybody's sitting in and going through the funeral process, but it is afterwards when you're able to tell stories or just break bread or, you know, have a, have a celebration. Right. And so for you to be able to bring that celebration to the very beginning of the, the, the grieving process is brilliant. Yeah. It is really brilliant, by the way. <laughs> I really appreciate, you know, that, that feedback and reaction from you, because it is energizing to know that this is meaningful, you know, to, um, to the people that we work with, to people who hear about it, because it can be a very, um, you know, it can bring inspiration and, um, healing and fulfillment rather than, and you, you know, as you pointed out, words matter. And I think when, when people think of the word funeral, they think about, you know, kind of a, they think about sadness, they think about loss. And really a lot of families and individuals who have passed away, you know, said prior to their passing, I don't want you to be focused on the loss. I want you to be focused on the happy memories. I want you to be focused on the good life I lived. I want you to be focused on my accomplishments. So the focus um, around that, that gathering, that tribute, that memorialization is really important and has a big impact on how people feel in the moment and afterwards and how they can kind of then be at peace and move forward with their lives, knowing that they held something that really honors their loved one's spirit and their authentic life. Mm. And it's personalized. Yeah. That, that's, that's also incredible too, because you're able to, to, to give them the space to state what they want or what their family members would want or what really fits for that particular individual that's passed. Mm -hmm. And so what do you see? You mentioned that you can do this anywhere. So you, um, uh, the woman that had the museum situation, and that's just very different, very, very different, but you're able to do this in outdoors or you're able to do this everywhere. And how did, how do you think that that how does that affect or what do you see as people are going through their grieving process and working through the different stages as you're working with them? How yeah. do you see that? Um, I think the, the setting often has an uplifting effect on the people who are gathering there. And, you know, to your point, a lot, some of the most popular requests that we have are for ceremonies and gatherings that are held in outdoor environments. Mm. And I think there's, there's sort of two aspects that come into play when people talk about wanting to gather outdoors. Um, one is 
if their loved one spent a lot of time outdoors, you know, maybe they loved gardening, hiking, um, you know, spending time um, at the beach, you know, maybe whatever their particular outdoor passion was, the idea of gathering outdoors to honor them is really compelling because it feels like it's bringing their loved one's passion and spirit, you know, into that location with them. And um, the second aspect is I think people take a lot of comfort and healing from being in an outdoor environment, you know, just the conditions, um, you know, light, brightness, you know, fresh air, open space, all of those things are very healing and very comforting. So I think those two aspects together, um, you know, are really compelling reasons why people want to gather in the outdoors. It has a huge healing, you know, huge healing effect, which I know you've heard from many of your guests, you know, you've heard, um, you know, dozens of different ways that people incorporate the outdoors into their own, you know, habits to bring peace of mind, to bring health, you know, and I think those same elements are what people are drawing on when they want to gather in an outdoor space to, to get their family and friends together and honor their loved one. There's something about not being enclosed in a building, yes, right? That 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 benefits all of us. And and you're right. You know, people, different people's experience outdoors is very very unique to that each individual. But it's that not having the confining space. And I think too, in the this is just me throwing something out there. So you tell me if I'm like totally off the wall here. But I would think too that the energy inside of an enclosed building. So you have the energy of everyone in a mourning process, right? Inside of a closed building and all of that energy in a, maybe a, a I don't want to say, I can't figure out the word, not negative, but let, not, not happy, not a celebration, right? So, so it's, it can be very confining and, and and outdoors, there's heavy. a there's a freedom that comes mm -hmm. with being in the outdoors, and yeah. it's that confining feeling versus the feeling of being unconstrained and free. Yes, yes. That and so, how do you when you're when you're dealing with families, how do you see their reaction in their grieving process? In and how does that work? So let's let's break it down a little bit. When when you are meeting with a family, what is your process in in helping them through this? Um, the the very first piece of the process is getting to know them as a family and getting to know their loved one. It all starts there because in order for us to create something that feels right for that loved one or that family, we have to know things like, you know, their personality or what they spent their time on or what was important to them. You know, the things that a family may highlight about their loved one um, differs from person to person, but when we get to know that person's personality in life, we can start to, um, you know, make recommendations around things like tone of the ceremony, around things like particular elements they may want to include, particular, you know, experiential um, elements they may want to include in the gathering, um, and and. So I think it all starts there, you know, that's the, the main focus. And then a big piece of what we do is we provide a structure for families to work through, um, you know, families have um, the option of either, you know, working through our online planning portal and or meeting with someone that they can bounce ideas off of or getting consultation around what their options are. And I think providing a structure is really important. Um, for families that we work with, because we often don't talk about or plan for death mm -hmm. ahead of time. A lot of people shy away from it. So it's this big mystery when you come to the point of having to work through it and having to, um, you know, engage with what it means to plan after a loved one's passing. So providing a structure to work through brings a lot of comfort and a lot of peace of mind um, to someone because they know, here's what I need to work through. There's concrete steps at a time that can feel very overwhelming um, by the planning process and by, you know, the, the grief process. 
So I would say, you know, getting to know their loved one, because that is what the heart of the planning process is, and also providing a structure are two ways that we, you know, that we help facilitate bringing something together and bringing something together that is truly unique and personalized to that particular, you know, family and their loved one. You know, I, I love that, that you're taking the time to learn about them, because I can, I can just assume that when people are going, when they've been confronted with death in their family, that um, it must, what would you like? I don't know. Right. <laughs> so I have no idea, because all they can think about is their loss. But if you're taking the time to honestly coach them through and, and asking questions and helping them determine what they really do want and, and make some appropriate choices for them too. So, so helpful during that time. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, you know, it's so, it can be so overwhelming to even start to think through what are my options and how do I make these decisions? You know, what do I center them on? Um, so just starting by asking, you know, who was your loved one? What was important to them? It can start to, um, you know, bring people into the planning process in a very accessible way by starting with what they know, which is the person that they lost. That's amazing. And so, so the process, not everybody's, nobody is the same, right? And no celebration of life is the same. So once you're going through the interview process, interview whether, or consultation process, right? And you're help, helping determine what's best for them. What are the next steps that happen? So after we, you know, help a family determine kind of what they want this to look like, um, there's often a time where, you know, there's some work on the side of the family and some work on the side of um, the, you know, our our team. Um, and when it comes to the family, a lot of times there's a process of deciding, you know, it's a it's a family affair. It's, you know, who wants to speak and who, um, what particular music might we want to play and what photos do we want to include? And again, we have a, you know, a structured process and framework to walk them through, you know, here's the steps that we, you know, that everyone typically follows, but it's, but kind of what each person does with, with each of those elements is personalized to their loved one. Um, so there's some work on the side of the family and kind of gathering together those personal touches, those personal details. And on, you know, the side of Lighten, um, we are taking as much of the planning and coordination off of their plates as we can. So if there's a particular, you know, setting that is desired, if there's particular decor that is desired, you know, we're able to handle the arrangement of all of that. So we, you know, provide the structure and the guidance to walk families through the thought process about what they want to plan. And then we take care of then making everything come together behind the scenes because a lot of times families don't want to be focused on the logistics. They won't want to be focused on are things in the right place or, you know, is the live stream working or, you know, is the food going to arrive on time? You know, they, um, you know, they want to be in the moment. They want to remember their loved one. They want to be able to, um, you know, experience the moment. So um, Lighten takes care of the planning and coordination behind the scenes. I've said it once and I'll probably say it five more times. This is brilliant. This is, this is so common sense. And this is everything that everybody would want. And if they want something a little bit more structured in, you know, in a more traditional setting, that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that, but to, to give people the options and to give the families the options, I think it's, it's so brilliant. Um, so how yeah. spot on, you know, with the, the options, you know, for some, it's all about empowering families, right? Do what feels right for them. And for some people that will be something more traditional mm -hmm. and that is, and that's, what's right for them. And for others, they now have an option that is not the traditional kind of somber approach. If that's not what feels right for their particular loved one and their particular family. Um, so like you said, it's, it doesn't mean, Hey, this is the right way. And the old way is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. It just means that there are now options for pieces may not want. Yes. Who may not I, want. The I love the word you used. You used empowered because, you know, through the death of a family member, it, there has to be a loss of control feeling for everyone in what you're, you're really giving them the opportunity to feel 
-hmm. in control or I just love the empowered piece to Mm -hmm. help lift them up in their process and also help lift them up in their, in their, in their healing. So that's, that's a, that's a really great word. And so how long have you been in, how long has Lightning been in business? Um, So since 2019, so we actually started, you know, just shortly before the pandemic and the pandemic actually had a big impact on um, how we were helping families come together. So we started off um, in a normal world, you know, helping families gather in person. And then in 2020, of course, when the pandemic hit, that really affected um, how people could gather and how Mm -hmm. our team was able to assist families in gathering. So throughout the pandemic, we actually did a ton of virtual gatherings, you know, helping family and friends gather in an online environment. Um, Because we had, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. um, we had so many families reaching out to us saying, what can we do right now? You know, we're dealing with social distancing, we're dealing with travel restrictions, but there is something so important, what we've heard, what we heard from the people who are reaching out to us, to feel like you did something to mark that person's passing to honor Mm -hmm. their life. There's a ritual that's really important to people where when you lose it, there's this feeling like a lot of people describe to us, like it's, it's hanging over my head that I haven't done something for my loved one. You know, I haven't done something for them and I haven't done something that allows our family and friends to feel like we had the opportunity to come together and express, express to share our memories Um, So the loss of that ritual was very impactful. So we did a lot of virtual gatherings, which still allowed people to preserve their traditions and to come together, um, you know, in community to honor their loved one. And, um, you know, we were able to help people of many different backgrounds, many different faiths, you know, many different, um, you know, with many different ideas about how they wanted to celebrate their loved one's life. Again, personal, cultural, spiritual, or a combination of, you know, all of those elements and we were able to help give them an environment that still, you know, honored those things. And um, a timely closure. Yes, that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. a lot of afterwards, you know, that timely, um, you know, that timely gathering, you know, people came back to us and said, like, now I feel at peace with it. You know, now I feel at peace with what I was able to do for my loved one. And and I, no, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. What I would think there during COVID, there were many people that didn't have that timely c- closure. Because it wasn't what they, it wasn't either they didn't have any sort of a service or a celebration, or it was just the, the, the minimal amount that could be done under the circumstances of social distancing. And for you to have a business structure that's so flexible to really incorporate what's going on in the world today, and here's what my people need, and then how do we meet, how do we meet and provide the solutions no matter what, and then that takes it into, you know, post-COVID is so different than pre-COVID, right? So now it is so much more uh, acceptable to show up virtually. So it really gives the, doesn't it give the families a chance to expand their, their um, celebration to others that can't make it? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's interesting, obviously the, the virtual gathering um, offering was born out of COVID, but believe it or not, we still have, even as the pandemic conditions have alleviated, we still have a decent number of families choosing virtual because families are so spread out these days. You know, mm. um, there are family members in different cities, oftentimes different countries. And, um, you know, it's very, it can be very hard to get everyone together in the same place at the same time. Um, So some families are still choosing virtual um, or they are choosing um, a a hybrid or a combination of in-person and virtual where there may be um, a group, a smaller, large group um, gathering together in one place, but they want people who are joining remotely to be able to view or in some cases participate mm-hmm. um, in the ceremony. And we're able to help families who are gathering in person also either live stream out the ceremony happening in person, or in many cases set up the AV so that there's two-way communication where the virtual guests can be seen and heard by the in-person guests and vice versa. The, you know, the in-person guests can be seen and heard by the virtual guests also. And so it's been really interesting to see 
some families still choosing virtual because their families are spread out, or we've heard um, from others that it can be a more manageable planning experience, you know, doing a virtual gathering. And, um, you know, we have families tell us, um, you know, I am, you know, juggling caregiving for my older relatives, mm. caregiving for my children, you know, doing my full-time job and having to plan something um, is really overwhelming. So for some people, um, the virtual option can be a really good, um, more manageable planning experience, um, you know, and it's it's almost become, um, I would say the virtual, the option to gather and in, to gather together at an in-person ceremony virtually, the option to join virtually has almost become expected. Mm -hmm. Like how people say, like, just assume that there's going to be a virtual option um, for people who can't be there in person, because as you mentioned, it's become so accepted. And it might be people who have travel, you know, travel issues. It might be elderly relatives with mobility issues, but um, there's a lot of accessibility that has come from um, the option to gather virtually. So I think it's been really great to see families um, be able to take that experience and still make, um, you know, really good, you know, connecting and interactive use out of it. It's, and it's amazing for you as a business owner to, to create this platform in 2019, right? And then COVID hits and to have the flexibility to pivot and not lose a ton of traction in building your business. Yes. And I think, you know, that also comes back to the why of what we do, the purpose of what yeah. we do. You know, it's not, it has to be this particular model or method of gathering. It's all about, you know, how can we help families gather for this meaningful, um, you know, ceremony, this meaningful tribute to their loved one. And, you know, that might mean we have to make that happen in different ways, depending on what families are in need of or what the, you know, conditions are. Um, so I think kind of sticking with what is the heart of what we do? What is mm -hmm. the value that we bring, you know, to the, the, the pain that families are feeling mm -hmm. and that can be done in different ways. So, you know, pivoting and to still be able to deliver that value is part of, you know, um, kind of also part of entrepreneurship and part mm -hmm. of, you know, building something new and putting it out there into the world. And so you are in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. So primarily that um, your clients are in Chicago or do you find that it is you are also working more virtually with everybody outside of Chicago? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, we have done virtual ceremonies as close by as here in Chicago and as far away as Alaska. And oftentimes, you know, we have guests joining from different countries. Um, the in-person, you know, we are delivering those primarily in Chicago, but oftentimes, you know, we might have families reaching out to us from different cities, you know, maybe they are planning an in-person gathering in, you know, a city in Texas and they need help with the virtual element. So we do have a network of partners of, you know, um, videographers, for example, or, you know, venues that we can recommend like partners in other cities um, that we're able to, um, you know, that we're able to still provide those services um, to others outside the Chicago area as well. Oh, that's fantastic. And so for you as a, as a business owner and going through the process of starting a business and it's ever changing as it has over the last three years, how do you take care of yourself? How do you make sure that you show up for everybody else during, while they're in their time of loss? I think that's so important because it because it is important, mm -hmm. um, you know, to be able to um, take time to balance, to find balance. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I had to learn by doing because, you know, the first it doesn't come naturally. I know this. <laughs> it's not taught in the corporate world. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I would say the first, you know, year or so, year or two starting the business, it was, you know, really tough to balance things like, you know, building the business, getting a full night of sleep, exercising, those types of things. Um, but I have learned that I'm better, I'm sharper, you know, I can lead better, think better when I've taken time to balance. And two of my, you know, my favorite go-to activities are um, running along the lakefront in Chicago because mm -hmm. I live, you know, close by the lakefront and um, taking time to meditate also. Um, so those are two ways that I can kind of clear my head, recenter, and, you know, talk about the, the time outdoors 
um, you know, running, one of the reasons I love it, in addition to, you know, just staying healthy and exercising, it's just the fresh air and time to clear my head, you know, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, as we talked about, there is like a healing property to being unconstrained and just being surrounded by nature and beautiful scenery and being able to run along the lake um, to me is really restorative. So that is that's something that is, you know, key to my routine and kind of helps keep me centered and, and sharp to do. You know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you do have to show up and you have to be present for mm -hmm for your clients and you, and that's nothing that you, you can't fake your way through that. So you have to take care of yourself personally. And I, it was interesting. I, I, I should have written this down. I saw this, this little, it was not a meme. <laughs> it was an article. So it was more true than a meme, right? And the um, walking by the water for 15 or 20 minutes and what restoratively that does to your brain activity, yep. but also just recalibrating your body and mm -hmm. being, being in a close proximity to the water and yep. the, the large lake does act like a lotion, like an ocean. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I've seen waves up there and it looks like a, it can look like a nasty ocean on some days, but <laughs> yeah. you're, you're getting that water movement, but just being, being there, um, does, it does recalibrate and it, there's such a difference between you could run inside on a treadmill, but it doesn't do that makes me not angry. The no, it, I get a little angry when I do that. So, <laughs> yeah. and the other thing is, I love that you, that you mentioned like even 15 or 20 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. because I think something else I had to learn that I think is important is it doesn't have to be a long extensive time. It can be small doses and those small breaks can really make a difference. So for me, you know, Prior to starting the business, I used to do like longer distance running and I used to train for half marathons, you know, and um, I used to feel like I had to be working towards something in order mm -hmm. to make running valuable. But I learned that even if I'm getting out for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you know, that makes a difference. It doesn't have to be, you know, a long distance. It doesn't have to be a race. It can just be to get outside. Or if it's a day where, you know, I don't feel up for a run, getting out for a walk in just mm -hmm. a few minutes can really make a big, a big difference. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I struggle with that too. Well, if it's going to be 15 minutes, why bother? Sometimes right. that happens up here and that's not a good thing. <laughs> so, but that, but that short amount of time is just so important. You're right. You're very right about that. Yeah, absolutely. So when, how do people get in touch with you? How do they reach out? What are, um, and when in their process of um, grieving or in the process of um, prior to somebody passing, when is the right time to reach out and how do they do that? Um, so in terms of the right time to reach out, um, there is no particular right or wrong time what we have found is families are ready at different points in time. You know, some families are reaching out to us, um, you know, ahead of their loved ones passing, either they're incorporating their loved one into the planning process, or it might be, you know, my mom just went on hospice and I want to be ready. I want to know what it is I should be thinking about. And I want to kind of start thinking through those things, you know, because we know she, her passing is imminent. Um, for other families, believe it or not, they'll reach out to us sometimes months or in some cases years after someone has passed wow. away um, because they've they've done the cremation or the burial, but they haven't quite been ready to put their time and energy and attention mm -hmm. into creating a meaningful celebration of life. And for some people, or for most of those people, it's about um, where they are in their grieving process and are they ready? Um, for some people, it's like, I really want to be able to speak, but I just can't do that right now. I want to be able to speak and give, you know, a, a remembrance in front of everyone. And I'm just too emotional. Or for others, it's I've just, you know, um, I'm not ready to think about this right now and I need some time. And we have some families planning on dates of significance. If it's not right after they're passing, maybe they're planning a gathering on that person's birthday or the anniversary of their passing or the anniversary of, you know, their marriage. Um, so we see families planning on dates of significance if they're not ready right away. So the time, the right time to, you know, um, approach us is 
when, when, when they're that ready. ready. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I um, never, I never would have considered the after the fact anywhere down the road. And that's really a great point because once they've, once there has been a, a burial or a memorial or whatever that happens to be, but there wasn't a celebration and they're feeling a gap in their family's grieving process, what a great time to pick a date of significance to have that celebration of life. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think that's that's another departure from, you know, tradition. Typically, you know, funerals um, happened right away, you know, right. because there was, you know, a body that had to be buried and everything happened very quickly. Um, but more families are choosing to separate the actual burial from the remembrance and the memorial um, because it might be what's right for them. So for a lot of people, it's, it's um, and sometimes people come to us asking, is this okay? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's about letting them know that is okay. You have permission to do that if that's what's right for you. Um, so it's really, you know, again, that's another way that a family can personalize the process and the gathering to what feels right for their family. Um, and so that's, you know, in terms of a timing perspective, that's what we're seeing. Um, and it, when it comes to the way people reach us, um, a lot of people um, find us um, by word of mouth, you know, they may have, um, you know, attended a a celebration of life that Lighten hosted, and we'll have families saying, you know, I saved your information in case I ever needed you, and now it's a year later, and I'm reaching out. Um, or they may receive a recommendation from a family member or a friend who has utilized us in the past. Mm -hmm. um, families can also, a lot of families also find us online. Um, you know, that's a big part of where people start when they start with, you know, where do I find, you know, how do I plan a celebration of life or where do I find, you know, this particular type of, uh, you know, company. Um, so families can find us online at uh, lightenarrangements.com um, or they can reach us by phone at 312-373-0847. That's fantastic. You know, it, this has been just fascinating, Alexandra. I so appreciate that we were connected and, and had this conversation because this is, this is incredibly uplifting in an area that can be very heavy. So the service that you bring to families makes such a difference. Thank you. And I'm so glad to have the opportunities to speak with you about this. Like, I, I love knowing that you get the value of the services, you know, that we provide um, and the questions that you asked were just so interesting to dig into and, you know, um, and so, so meaningful and fulfilling to be able to have this conversation with you. So I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Oh, thank you so much. So if anybody would like to hear more or um, learn more about um, the company, so lighten.com, and we'll make sure that your contact information is in the show notes as well. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Yes, it's actually lightenarrangements.com. Light, oh, thank you. <laughs> lightenarrangements.com. Yes. And um, so, yeah, that's where we can be found online. And, and thank you so much for the opportunity to, um, to share with others the work that we do, because, you know, awareness is a huge part of people understanding that they have options. You are so welcome. Hey, Lynn. Hi, Jean. How are you today? Just wonderful. So good to see you. Good to see you. We've been talking a lot this week, and I find that fantastic. Me too. <laughs> Me so too. what nuggets do you have for us in your rising up segment today? Well, Jean, I've been thinking a lot and hearing a lot in conversation from folks about this days getting shorter thing that's happening with all of us. And, you know, um, it is an opportunity if we look at it that way, right? The, my friend who lives in New Hampshire told me yesterday that it gets dark at 430 in the afternoon there. And I was astounded. But, you know, the, the longer nights, the shorter days inherently have a natural rhythm opportunity built in. So I've been thinking a lot about that. I've been thinking a lot about how it's similar to the opportunity that we get with the new moon, mm. right? So the lunar cycle is similar to the annual uh, cycle. And so in both this, you know, winter solstice time and in the new moon, we are in the darkness, mm -hmm. right? And if we take it as an analogy about what happens to a seed, 
right? If you take a seed and you put it in the earth, it's in the darkness. The sun isn't getting to it, but that's where the germination starts, mm. right? And so we can look at this time that way too. And we hear a lot this time of year about visioning what we're going to do next year and planning for and setting goals and all those sorts of things. But if we really look at it as an opportunity to be in the quiet, to be in the darkness and to allow our germination for all of that stuff that we're about to uh, break into and get done to happen, then it becomes a real opportunity. And, and that'll happen for different people, different ways. But I love that analogy of the new moon is the time of the darkness and the sun isn't reaching it and it's the time of the germination and the same thing happens in the winter. You know, mm -hmm. it's the, it's the dark time. It's the time. And then on the, on the solstice, we turn, right. Mm -hmm. We shift and we turn toward the light and the days incrementally get longer and more light comes in all day long. And that seed gets a little bit more warmth every day and a little bit more light every day. And, and more things start to happen with what we want to get done. And so I just wanted to invite our listeners, Jean, into this space of what are we germinating mm -hmm. and what are we willing to spend a little time in the silent darkness with so that as the light increases, we can really move into momentum and growth and um, an exciting new time for 2023. So uh, that's what I wanted to talk about today, Jean, and I hope that's fun for you. I love that. And, you know, in our, some of our discussions that we've had, the word allow has come up a couple of times and, and here it is again. And I think you're right. We just need to allow and not fight this darkness and, yes. and, and do some pre-planning. Thank you. Beautiful Thank you. insight today. Thanks so much, Lynn. And I look forward to this segment every time. Thank you so much for listening today. Today's show is sponsored by my Seaside Solutions, my financial services company. As a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working with a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you would like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. This week's topic was five ways to set more achievable goals. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. And if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and see you next time.